Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty hilarious, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. Jonah, we have an incredible guest today. He's a friend, we're fans. And look, did we share an incredible experience with him once where we went to a Yankees game? Yes. Yes. We went to a Yankees game, I believe. I think I went a couple times, but memorably with our guests. I believe you had Lauren Michaels seats, yes. which are right behind home base. And they uh, had Yeah, we would call those seats one through four, not exaggerating. One through four. Yeah. But I feel like the real draw was the food inside. Yes. And how would you describe the kind of inside food setup? Well, I would say, yeah, if you get those primo seats, you're getting access to a full-on buffet. There's a raw bar. That's the thing I remember the most. There's dessert bar. There's all... So yeah, for a lot of the game, we would go inside and eat. And then whenever I would use those seats, you could order food to your seat too. But then everyone watching (laughs) the game on their TV would see you eating because you're right behind home plate. I feel like people were like, where are you? Because I'd be like, I'm on TV. And then I'd go inside and eat like nine pounds of crab and then come back out. Yeah. I believe we saw Paul Simon there. Is that true? Yeah. And I think I said hi to him and you were kind of impressed because I knew him from SNL. I think he kind of recognized you maybe. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes the story cooler for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, we don't know much about sports, but that's if you're going to go to a sports game, I think that's that's the way to do it. Yeah, it completely getting to use Lauren's incredible tickets for the time while I was on SNL completely ruined every sporting event for me for the rest of my life because nothing will ever be that fancy as someone who not only loves free stuff, but specifically loves free food. I'm going nowhere but down. Yeah. Hard to find free steak and crab legs. Really hard. Will I find another way to get free lobster and steak someday? I think so. I'm pretty good with that stuff, but who knows? Anyways, Jonah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today our guest is a very famous writer whose best-selling book, Sellout, The Major Label Feeding Frenzy That Sweat Punk Emon Hardcore, will be released on paperback tomorrow, October 18th. Let's give it up to Friend of the Bears and all-around nice guy, Dan Ozzy. Hey, Dan. Oh, my gosh. Hi, guys. How's it going? Thanks for that trip down memory lane, but I have to clarify it. I hope I'm not breaking the fourth wall or something like yeah. that. But I did not go to a game with the both of you. I went to a game with the Bayer family when Vanessa had to last minute had to host like a people's choice award or something like that. And so I got tag teamed in, I got to hang out with Jonah and the Bayer parents, which was one of (laughs) the most delightful experiences. But I, I agree with what Vanessa is saying after that experience of just being feted with lobster roll towels and crab legs and steak and sushi during a baseball game. I cannot go back to a sporting event. I have a picture with, us and the Bayer family, we are literally the last people left in the stadium. Like the guy was like, I'm so sorry to do this, but you guys kind of have to, we're like clearing it out. And we're like, okay, (laughs) just stuffing like sandwiches in our pockets and stuff. The fastest a baseball game has ever gone by for me in my life. Yeah. Normally it feels like three weeks. Oh my God. Oh my God. You're there. And especially on a, like a sunny afternoon, it's like nine hours. That day was like, I closed my, I blinked. I had I put one cheeseburger in my mouth and the next thing I knew it was over. But yeah, so I was a stand-in for the You Bayer. were a stand-in for me. That is so great. I, you know, it's funny. We were talking about this and I thought I remembered it, but I think it's because we all hung out so much when we were all in New York that I just assumed that we took you. But that makes total sense that the tickets are for four people. I couldn't make it. You got to go with Carolyn and Todd. Yeah, the first Todd, he kept telling me that he's the first <laughs> he <time>. did at <laughs> the game <laughs> i think he did yeah he probably did. so i did not meet paul simon with you but one super awesome celebrity encounter that the three of us did have was <laughs> and i was just thinking about this story the other day when we speaking of la la land when we met ryan gosling together oh because you came to snl it was like an snl thing and i remember because you had that like christmas yeah santa baby uh, one of my all-time favorite things i ever got to do at snl so funny and i remember he came over to us and he you know, like i don't know if this gets talked about a lot but he's a pretty handsome guy you know he's pretty good looking <laughs> <laughs> no he, one like, talks about that he came over and he was so charming he like i remember he shook my hand and he had like a nice watch and i remember my instant thought was like man i I got to get a nice watch like that. (laughs) And I remember like he shook our hands and then and then you were like, oh, uh, Ryan, but this is my my brother, Jonah. And I remember he was just like, this is your sister. (laughs) And Jonah was like, yeah. And he was just like, your sister is a genius. And Jonah was like, oh, I know. Like, we're really proud of her. And he was like, no, you don't understand. Like, she's a genius. And we were all just like. Okay, <laughs> like just like heart fluttering, like okay, and then he kind of like did the rounds and then went and talked to everybody. But that was just so funny. This is really validating for me, Dan, because I try to kind of tell people that like Ryan Gosling and I like really got along when he 
hosted and like he was so nice and we're and like I feel like you could easily dismiss me. <laughs> People could easily dismiss me and be like, yeah, right, sure, whatever. But so you heard it here first. Eyewitness account. I'm best-selling author Dan Ozzie, and I'm yeah. putting my every every credibility I have behind this statement. Ryan Gosling called Vanessa Bayer a genius with all the sincerity in his heart. Wow. I have it ing- ingrained in my mind. Incredible. Okay, well, it was great doing this podcast <laughs> yeah, with that's, you, Dan. that's a good place to stop, I think. <laughs> well, Dan, you know, speaking of free snacks, you used to work at a place, a magazine called Vice. Yeah, and you used to just come in and get the free stuff. <laughs> you used to come by so often because you had free Luna bars. Mm-hmm. You had blue bottle coffee, like machines that would make like lattes in the machine. Still have never seen anything like that. And I feel like yeah. I would just come all the time. They didn't have a lot of security and I could just go, like I'm here to see Dan and just get a bunch of snacks. Yeah. You get the uh, the sticker up at the front and then you're you're good. Yep. I don't know how you did the Luna bars. Like if I never had another Luna bar in my life, I would be very happy with it. But the coffee machine was cool because it's like a touch screen. Yes. Like had pictures of what they had and you, you could like do a, like, oh, I'm going to get like a macchiato with a shot and then you could add like a shot of espresso. It was very cool. Yes. So Jonah was there. And it, after a while, it wasn't like a question of like, oh, why is Jonah here? It was just like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I like Jonah's, Jonah's doing his, getting his coffee, you know? The last thing I would do that I remember is you'd have to <laughs> enter what company you worked for, like your name. And I would always enter like Metallica or like <laughs> weird names. No one ever cared. But I thought it was like hilarious. I was like, it says Metallica and I'm taking free coffee. This is like incredible. Yeah. Good times. I feel like that is like a thing that was just happening like right in the early 2000s that these companies started having like like I remember visiting my friend Danielle for lunch at Google in Chicago it was not only a free like I'm gonna call it a gourmet lunch it was I've been there it's like a big cafeteria incredible lunch and then it was like these bins of like king-size candy bars gum not only Luna bars, but like balance bars remember those are really big cliff bars I'm doing the math in my head I'm going I'm leaving this place with $50 worth of snacks. <laughs> I had a lunch meeting at Google one time and I, you know, it was like a work meeting, but I cannot, I just don't have like much like that Yankee Stadium yeah. restaurant. I don't have the capacity to like limit when the food is free. I just can't. Same. So we had, we had like lunch together and then they were like, okay, does everybody want to like grab some for dessert and then we'll go have our meeting. And to everybody else, like all, all the normal people that meant like, oh yeah, I want to grab a cookie or whatever. And to me, that it meant just like, let's load up. And I, so I loaded up. And then like when I met back up with this group, like they were just looking at me and I could immediately tell like, oh, no, I fucked up because I had like one of those plastic clamshells and I had filled it with cookies and cupcakes. It wouldn't even close anymore. Like the lid wouldn't yeah, close. Yeah. And so we had this meeting where they were all looking at me like, wow, Dan really loaded up. And so I was in this space where I was like, well. I have to finish this because right. like, I have to make it look like this is just how much normal dessert I have for a, a, an everyday yeah, would, Wednesday You're lunch. like a pretty buff guy. Like it could be that you're like doing some kind of like every two hours I have to have like, you know, right. well, 800 <laughs> yeah. grams of sugar. That's the common diet in the <laughs> fitness what community. They do when they're lifting weights. I had to ride this line between like, well, I have to finish it all so that it looks normal, but I also have to have the meeting. So I have to like, not just be talking with food. So I would like do my little presentation and then like scarf a cupcake. And just because I had to go through the whole, it was so embarrassing. I totally understand. In fact, it's, you're reminding me when I 
was in Chicago when I was living in Chicago, like post-college and I was second city, the comedy theater hired me to like, I would understudy for, there were like three different touring companies that did like comedy shows at like colleges and stuff. And it was really fun. And, and whenever they would put me in to understudy someone and go on tour with them, we would have dinners and then there'd be like snacks out. And I would always like take so much of the food. And one time in particular, I remember we were doing a show in some city and they had like all this food out and then everyone was leaving. And I started taking like everything. Like I took all the extra like desserts and snacks, but then there were like bottled waters, which are like pretty heavy. (laughs) And also like how many bottled waters does one person need? And I like put them all in my bag and I took them all with me. And then I got home back to my apartment in Chicago and I like opened the bag. (laughs) I had taken the TV remote control from the hotel. Because I had, thrown so much stuff in my bag like I don't I guess some of it must have been in my hotel room I don't know (laughs) but anyways I threw so much stuff in that I didn't realize I was taking the tv remote and I remember being like do I need to like mail them this remote (laughs) it was so embarrassing like I was like so embarrassed to send it to them and I was also like I made myself feel better by being like I don't like to steal but also most of these remotes are probably universal (laughs) so like they they can take them from another room like they'll they're probably fine but and i've been in hotel rooms that don't have remotes and they you know they'll you can get one from the front desk or whatever but yeah i get it it's so hard also just to say like when we were pitching my show to different networks sometimes we would go to these networks and be like so much food like especially i think netflix had like in the front lobby there's like a coffee bar but then there's also these like canisters that have like m&ms and stuff in them and you sort of have to weigh like it's exactly what you were just saying dan of like at what point does like me taking all this free stuff start to negatively affect my totally. work? Totally. <laughs> I think it's almost like a test <laughs> yeah. to see like how much self-control does this person have? Totally. Is this person a person we want to be working with? The other time too that we really embarrassed somebody was when I was 22, my cousin Mike was 21 and he made the Jets, the New York Jets. And so Whoa. it was really cool. But in the in the early days, it was like, well, he's a rookie. Like he might not make it. It was like very like he wasn't guaranteed a spot. And so it was like really like, oh, I don't know if he's going to make it. So my family, like first game, we we just like loaded up my big, huge Italian family. There were like 25 of us. Like we had a whole section and it was fun. And then afterwards, there was like, you know, like a family bubble, like one of those like, you know, tents or whatever. And they had like all these cookies and sandwiches and like little mini Gatorades. As soon as we got in there, the whole like the game was so irrelevant. And like my huge, this is like my (laughs) grandfather was still alive. And my uncle Nino was like, Johnny, you got to see what I got back there. And he's just loading. I remember my grandfather had a cookie and a piece of chicken and then another cookie on top of it, like a sandwich. Nice. And he's like, this is a good spread they got here. It's like, just like this Italian family like wiping clean everything the Jets facility had. It was so, oh and then my, my poor cousin's just like trying not to rock the boat. Like he really wants to make this team. Right. And like his family is like just pocketing Gatorades in the background. You know, it's just like, it must've been so humiliating for him. Something similar happened to me when I made the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> with my family. Right, yeah. Did he make the team? He did. He made the team. He played on the Jets for six years and he played uh, on the Chiefs for three years. And then, uh, yeah, after that first season, we, you know, we weren't as as invited. To right, 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 right. 
a lot of times when I do like talk shows, they in your dressing room will put like all this food. Like they'll put like, depending on the show, like they'll have like sandwiches from like someplace or they'll have like some like local, like it just like, especially like, Colbert like has I, Jonah has come to Colbert with me before they have like the best they'll give you like noise canceling headphones or something yeah like just all this stuff it's like it's so awesome I always think like when Michelle Pfeiffer does that or something like she leaves the dressing room she probably leaves all the stuff she's not throwing the cookies into a bag <laughs> she's not like taking like all the teas from the thing <laughs> I, I Always leave those shows. And I never, ever get paparazzi. Like, nobody gives a shit about me. But it's like, they just always paparazzi are outside those shows because they just don't know who's going to be coming out of them. Totally. So, like, the one time that anyone is, any photographers, I'm walking out and I've got bags, (laughs) bags, like, cookies overflow. Like, it just, even for the staff that works at the show, you think, like, they must be so impressed when someone just leaves and is like, maybe I'll take like a little bag of skinny pop and just be like, yeah, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But when you're like, sure. not going to take. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the producers know that they have like two kinds of guests <laughs> yeah. the, the take the take the snacks guests and the too good for the snacks guests. You know, I'm sure when Tom Cruise is coming in there. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, he's not going to take the Toblerone. Vanessa, though, she brought her extra deep tote bag today. So, (laughs) well, Dan, let me ask you this. As someone who had a job with free snacks, does the novelty wear off when you're seeing it every day? Do you get sick of it? Are you not as interested? What's it like? Well, like I said, th- those, the snack snacks, like the, the the bars, I really could do without. And Jonah, okay. you, as somebody who's been in a number of green rooms, I could truly like the, the sometimes the thought of a cliff bar makes me gag. Sure. <laughs> um, there were yogurt, which I think was a good snack, but otherwise it was really just the coffee and the soda. I'm not a big soda drinker, but my friend Colin used to like every day come in at 930 and you would just hear like, and I'm like, you cracked a Diet Coke at 930. That's insane to me. Yeah. There was a cereal bar, wasn't there? Oh, my God. I would go oh, insane yeah, yeah, yeah. There with was, the cereal, there was bar. A cereal bar. No, that that part of it doesn't lose. The, the only, And also, too, I don't feel like it's as great as you're making it out to be like, Google is insane. Sure. Oh Vice God. just had like a little kitchen with some cereal, some coffee, and like a fridge full of sodas and yogurt. And that was that was it. That still sounds great to me. <laughs> the trick was it, at Vice, there was like the food website Munchies. And so if you could be friends with somebody at Munchies, and I was, my friend Hillary, they would always be doing these like video shoots where they're like, yeah, today, like Maddie Matheson's going to cook like a pot roast or like slow roast ribs or whatever. And then as soon as they were done with the video shoot, they just had all the the food left. Whoa. So once you got that G chat from Munchies, like, hey, there's food in the kitchen. I just turned into like. You know, in a cartoon when it's just like a an outline of yourself, like, yeah, boom, like I would just go over to the kitchen and just raid on whatever fr- like hot food they had because you can only have so many. Right. The hot food feels like a real I, I will say even like when I worked at an ad agency in Chicago, like we would have clients in sometimes and it would be like big meetings where they would have sandwiches ordered in or something. And it was like, as soon as the meeting was over, someone would like come and be like, Hey, like everybody, like the so-and-so like client has left. So there's like sandwiches in the little kitchen area. 
and people would yeah zo- like you're saying like people would zoom over now these are people working at an ad agency in chicago these are people who you know they can afford to buy pretty nice sandwiches for themselves it's not about that vanessa you know no. it. it's about the hunt <laughs> it's about the it's there's something so enticing about free food and again or the office birthday oh my god hey janelle's having a birthday today and you're like i don't even know janelle but i want that yeah cake. i'm getting that cake mm-hmm I think there's also something about having it in a bag and being able to take it home. That all that office food is like, I don't necessarily want to have any of Janelle's cake like in front of her. I don't know her. She's not, I don't want these people. I want to take that cake. I want to eat it in in the comfort of my own home while I'm watching Bravo. (laughs) And like, thank you to Janelle, but I'll I'll, honestly like- You'll buy your own birthday cake. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess my point is I love taking home free food. And I think you're right, Dan. I think there's two types of people. And wouldn't that be so nice to be that person who leaves it all behind? But guess what? Couldn't be me. Couldn't Mm -hmm. be me. No, not me. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dan Ozzy after this. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. And we're back. Let's talk about our topic. Yeah. Yes. So Dan, we're so excited to talk about your topic. This is actually something that I didn't know about you until recently and something we have in common. And 
you growing up worked at Toys R Us. Is that true? Yeah. I can't believe we never knew that about each other. Or maybe we did and we just forgot. I've walked a lot of the Toys R Us memories sure. out of my mind, to be honest. Yeah, Jonah, you worked at Kids R Us. Dan worked at Toys R Us. And they, I got to believe that's the same owners. <laughs> yeah, the R Us. It is. Yeah. The R Us family. Wait, but Jonah, this is very important. Did you work at a Kids R Us standalone or did you work at a Kids R Us that was in a Toys R Us. Oh my God, I was just going to ask if they ever were in the same building. Yeah. I was in standalone Kids R Us. It was just Kids R Us. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Did you have a Kids R Us in your Toys R Us? Yeah, we did. Uh Uh Uh-huh. What? We did and like, you know, it was kind of this, like they, they were a different staff the kids are us but sometimes like you know like we shared like the break room and everything else i think they were just kids or us people but like if there was a, like a manager shortage or something like that and the manager from kids or us was like the manager for the day it was like having a tea like a like a substitute teacher substitute teacher thank you vanessa Jesus. you would really like act out well yeah we would act out in general i'm really excited to talk about this because like some because i feel like the my feelings about toys R us have like changed over my lifetime because as a kid Toys R Us is like super happy place that's like the best place in the world and then when I worked there in my teenage years it was like really sketchy uh, and weird and like made me hate the place and then now like looking back some like really dark things have happened wow since and I hope we get to that part of it because it's like I was just talking about it with a friend who used to work there like maybe the darkest part of my life took place at Toys R Us. Yeah. (laughs) Can you tell us, was this Staten Island and how old were you when you were working there? It was Staten Island. I was, uh, I think I got hired at 17 and I worked there until I was like 20. So I worked there for Whoa, you worked there for a long time. Yeah, I did. Which is really surprising because it was such an exploitative place to work. And it was like, I don't know why I did. I mean, I know why I did. I'm lazy and I stick with a bad situation way past its expiration. And also to their credit, They did do one thing that was like really amazing. Like it was like a corporate policy where they would pay for a college student's tuition up to like $5,000 a semester. Like it was a lot of money, like way more than I probably made there at like $7 an hour. So like I took advantage of that like every semester. And I think I was like the only person in the history of like Toys R Us employees who had actually used it because like after I started using it, they like stopped the program. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Like we've given out $10,000. That's enough. We're not doing this anymore. But yeah, it was like a really weird program that I don't think they thought anybody was going to take them up on. So I think that's part of the reason I stayed with it. That's really interesting. I I wonder if they did this at your store. I remember, and I didn't have a lot of jobs before this, so I thought that this was totally normal. Looking back, it's kind of weird. Every day leaving work, we had to open up any bags or backpacks we brought and have our manager go through them to make sure we didn't steal anything. Hmm. And we were selling kids clothes. Like I was like a 17 year old kid in Jinkos and like a tongue piercing. I was like, I'm surprised they weren't checking the legs of your pants for exercise. You could have hidden a lot of of stuff in those Jinkos. But I remember being kind of like, we, I was like, Oh, they don't, trust me not to steal everything yeah. here. I don't remember if they did because I didn't bring a backpack to work. So I never had a check. So I don't really remember. I, th- I feel like maybe you're right. Maybe they did check the women's purses, but they were like really stupid about stealing or loss prevention as they called it. Because yeah, I remember one time they sent this like woman from corporate from loss prevention in to basically she just interviewed every employee in the store one by one, like called you into the office And so they sat me down and they just basically asked me three questions. They were like, have you ever taken anything from the store? And you're just like, no. 
And then she's like, even like something small, like a juice or a water or something. I remember her saying a juice or a water. And I was like, no. And she's like, okay. And you're sure. And you're just like, yeah, sure. Even though like I used to have to unload trucks when it was like 95 degrees out. And I probably have taken an iced tea, whatever. But I just said no, because I'm like a delinquent or whatever. And so they were like, okay, you can go. And then they just did that to every single employee in the store. And then every person that was honest enough to be like, yeah, one time I took a water, they fired them. <gasps> so they fired no all of the honest employees and just kept the degenerates like me. So oh it was just God. like this one day where they cleared out every employee that they had who was foolishly honest enough to admit that they had taken a, a beverage or a soda or whatever. So yeah, it was a really like just sketchy place to work. Yeah. Another thing I remember was you accept Jeffrey Dollars there. Man. Like Jeff Rickley, not with a J. I remember Jeffrey Dollars from when I was a kid. I don't really remember them when I was working there. Okay, we took them, and I probably worked there a little before you. Maybe I worked there in the late 90s, and they were so widely counterfeited that they were like, we can't take these anymore because people <laughs> yeah. are just printing up these like giraffe money and Once using Once people it. got like personal computers and like yeah. Epson printers, it was like, no, 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 we can't, <laughs> we can't do this anymore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but stealing was so, so I, I worked at a really like, it was in a parking lot next to a movie theater. And so- the majority of people that came in were like teenagers who were fucking around before their movie started. Whoa. Okay. okay. And so there was just so much like mayhem and theft, like theft really bad. Like I saw some crazy stuff in there. I remember like my manager, I had this manager, Will, and he was like obsessed with, he like really got off on like catching people stealing. And he like made me wa- like scope out these two guys. He thought they were stealing video games and I, ca- I saw them, they were stealing video games. So I told him, I was like, yeah, man, I just saw them take two video games. And he was like, oh, okay, on second thought, like don't do anything because apparently those guys like got caught stealing at the other Toys R Us location and they shot out the security guards tires. <gasps> and I was like, okay, cool. So I won't, I'm making $7 an hour so i'm not interested in getting shot that sounds good and then another time will was like watching these two kids in the r zone which is where the video games were and they had like a stack of video games which were in those like plastic like clamshells you know and he was like watching them watching them and they had like a stack of video games and then they just took off they took off out of the store so will went running after them which you are not supposed to do it says like right all in the training videos, like reasonably get in the person's way if they're stealing, but like, do not touch them. Do not run after them. Yeah. But he he loved it. He was like John Wayne. So he like ran after them and one kid just bolted. And one kid who had the video games ran to his car in the parking lot. And Will like went after him. And this is so crazy, but Will like opened the passenger door. And got in the kid's car. <gasps> like they were like struggling over the video games. And Will was like, give me the video games. And the guy was like, get out of my car. And he was like, give me the video games. And so Will was kind of like hanging out of the car with the door open, the passenger side door open. And it was a parking lot. So there's like rows of cars. And the spot directly behind this car was empty, but there were cars on either side. Oh my God. And the kid threw it into reverse. And it went in that spot and opened the door off (gasps) the hinge. Like it hit the other car and the door opened off the hinge. And the kid was like going to drive off and Will like threw it into park and pulled the keys out. 
And we called 911, but the cops never came because we were such a like, we had so many problems that like they just stopped coming for us. So like eventually we just like took the games and let this kid go with his door open the wrong way. Like there were so many instances like that where I was like, wow, this is such a dangerous place to work for $7 an hour. That's insane. I feel like me and you had a similar maturity level when we worked there because I remember I had a couple of friends. All my friends at my Kids R Us all went to different schools and they were all kind of like the punks and outcasts in the area. And that's the only reason I was working there was just to like hang out. Mm -hmm. And I remember us just going in the back room and getting like a shirt or something and having a ba- like a garbage can and just playing basketball until they called the intercom like where are you guys and then oh yeah i remember i got fired because i got asked to play a show on our morning news <laughs> i was playing with this like singer songwriter from our high school and they were like do you want to go margo the- breslin margo breslin i was like this total like you know like really into punk and hardcore and she was a sort of more we talked around the podcast with jd sampson because jd went to our high school she was very like tori amos-esque like she was yes. i feel like she was modeling herself a lot after Tori Amos. Yes, very Tori Amos-esque. And um, I was like, made up something for work. I was like, yeah, I can't come in tomorrow. Like, Or I was like, I'm sick. I don't remember. I was probably like 17, 17 or 18. And then I went on the news and played. And then I remember going to work and then being like, Jonah, we saw you on the news. <laughs> like on live TV. Why didn't you just say you were doing this? And I was like being like 17. I was like, I don't know. And they were like, <laughs> and I had a couple weeks left working. I was going to college and they were like, it's okay. You don't have to come back anymore. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and like, didn't put it together till way later. Like that, why, like, why, why did I handle that? Why didn't it just, I like it at that age as like a male sometimes, or I don't know if it's just as a male, but like as male me at that time, like it was so hard for me to like express things or like do things in a logical way. I did everything so backwards for no reason. You could have said to them, I got this really great opportunity. Totally. Is there any way I can just miss tomorrow morning? And I'm sure they I would didn't have, have been... that vocabulary or something at that. Yeah, age. that's interesting. Also, a Saved by the Bell episode. Remember when he says he has to celebrate a Jewish holiday and miss school and then they see him on TV at a baseball game. And by <laughs> him, I mean, Zach. OK, go ahead. Yes. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to say like, but I think I also went into like, I think that job really turned me from like a goody person to like a degenerate because I remember going, I was in senior year when I was in 17 and I had an interview at like 1 PM. It was the only time I'd ever cut class. I like cut class to go interview for this job. <laughs> like I was a good student. I remember my Dean looked at me. I was like, yeah, I don't feel well. And he was just like, okay, I've never seen you before. So you must be like a good student then. So he was like, yeah, go ahead. And I like cut class to go interview for this job. I felt like that episode of The Simpsons when Bart goes into his first day of school and he's like, school will be fun. And then at the end of the day, he's all like, just the life has been sucked out of him. Because like by the end of that three year stint that I had at Toys R Us, it was like I had seen some shit, (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, over that three years, I probably transformed from a good employee to like, just give me the paycheck, you know? I did some research on Kids R Us and Toys R Us. Um, 2013, eight days before Christmas, Toys R Us did a 87 hour straight marathon. Were you there then? No, 2013. That would have been way later than like probably 2001. Okay. We're talking about like a decade prior. Got it. And this was also interesting. The store was originally considered a category killer, which sounds like a punk band or something like that sounds like what like hot water music is or something like Mm. they killed out the whole category because like they didn't really have anyone competing with them because they also owned FAO Schwartz, Babies R Us, Toys R Us, Express, Imaginarium like they had this whole chain. So meaning 
It does category killer mean they, what does that mean? It's like a monopoly, basically. Yeah, right? like a monopoly of this category, like no one can touch them. Isn't it so funny that, that you can have a monopoly of anything and not still be in some sort of power? Like now it's just completely bankrupt. If you see a Toys R Us, you're like, what? Yeah. Right? This, yeah. That's not a spirit Halloween. Are you kidding? Yeah. But I, I really saw like the beginnings of the end of it, I think, at least financially, because they had like no staff on. Okay. Yeah. But no, that was way that was way after my time. During my time was like I think I came in right at the end of the Furby craze. Right. Okay. Cute. Which was interesting because like I had this manager who just you know, everybody was like, where's a Furby? Are you, this was pre-Amazon. Everybody's like, are you getting them? They would like call every day. And then like a box of Furbies would come in and my manager, Kevin, would just buy them. <laughs> well, or not buy them. Or I guess he bought them or took them or whatever. And he would just sell them out of his car or whatever. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So you, it sounds like you had a very negative experience working there. It was a really exploitative company. What do you mean by exploitative? You know, like after Christmas... You know, they bulked up their staff for Christmas, obviously, because that's their, you know, big season. But then after like January, February, they just let everybody go. Yeah. And they were like trying to just get by on this like bare bones skeleton crew. And so sometimes there would be like, I mean, it was a huge store. Like it's a big toys. And it was like four people working in it. You know, like we used to get, that's part of the reason we used to get robbed all the time is because like nobody was watching. Right. And so I would be doing like three different jobs at once for like, you know, minimum wage. And I was unloading trucks in the middle of the summer. I got like injured. I saw all kinds of like crazy injuries and stuff like that. Wow. Um, yeah. It's just like, it was just like that thing too. It was just like, man, this was really the happiest place on earth when I was like six years old. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Now here we are. I also wonder if it was run better when you were six years old. Part Maybe. of it might have been being a kid and being there and like it being so magical, but also because I, I don't have that many memories of Toys R Us, but I have memories of us going to Kids R Us and it felt like pretty... But I don't know. As a kid, you don't know. At the Kids R Us, Vanessa, I don't know if you remember this. This is at Eastgate. They had these huge like games. Yeah. Like they had these like... 15 foot like interactive games yeah, like a huge like Simon a, says like a destination like you know yeah. they wanted like, kids yeah. to come in and spend as much time as there as possible because probably yep. the longer they're there the more money their parents are spending but yeah I feel like after that era it was just like get your shit and get out <laughs> you know yeah yeah. and during Christmas too like you know they just needed so much more help because you know they were just moving so much merchandise at a time so they had like these overnight crews that I don't know where they hired these people like I feel like they just pulled the bus up to like Rikers Island or something and were like do you want a job and like we had all these people who were working, you know, in in fairness, like a horrible, you know, like midnight to 8 a.m. shift where they were just locked in this store. But they were just robbing the place blind. Like it was they were just taking PlayStations and like putting them like between the truck and the loading dock and then having a friend come outside and then come pick them up. You know, they were just like, you know, taking PlayStations out. And like not that I had any interest in ratting anybody out, but like you had to pretend like you didn't even see it. Yeah, because they were 
were so scary. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I didn't see oh anything. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a good thing about working at Kids R Us. No one had anything totally. like we what's, wanted. What's the value? There was nothing to <laughs> right. take. Yeah. I mean, I do remember one of the best outfits I got there was kind of like a tiny sailor outfit. And it had like a lot of gold embellishments on it. Anyway. Sounds right. Sounds sounds like the kind of thing we would sell there. Cool to me, not cool to an adult. Anyway, go ahead, Dan. The only time I ever like went into Kids R Us, the Kids R Us section, was because people would like because you know how kids are us like the clothes it kind of makes it like a little forest in there yes for sure people would grab a walkman or whatever it was like an mp3 player and they would just like walk around kids are us in the little jungle open it and then like ditch the package and kids are us so the kids wow. are us employees to just find oh my gosh hidden discarded packages there all the time incredible were there any toys there that you particularly i assume you got some kind of discount and if yeah. you were honest enough to use it and not steal the thing which it sounds like you were were there any toys that were like cool to buy for like your family or anything? Vanessa, great question. (laughs) (laughs) Because I did at that time was when they were selling these like Simpsons figures that were really popular and me just being a big Simpsons nerd, I was buying all of them and they had like, they did it so smart. Like they used to do like, okay, here's series two and it would be, you know, Homer, Nelson, Smithers or whatever. And then like one playset, And there was always one figure that was harder to get than the others. It was worth more than others. And so when those boxes came in, like me and my friends would just ransack them. Sometimes they didn't even hit the shelves. Sometimes there were Toys R Us exclusive that like you couldn't get in any other stores and we would just like buy those and like people would come in and they would be so like because they would just send us a box of four yeah and i would take one and my three other friends would take them sure and then people would come in and be like i don't understand when are you gonna get a box of these (laughs) and we were like yeah i don't know man i don't know what to tell you so those simpsons figures were really popular and also too i had friends who were star wars fans i was a star wars guy but that was the other one too when a box of those came in it was like you knew like do not put these on the floor you tell Carlos, uh-huh. and then Carlos will distribute them <laughs> as a pro. Like it was a whole underground network. Got it. So if you ever wanted to buy Star Wars figures in the early 2000s and were bewildered as to why Toys R Us never had enough, it's because the employees were generally just taking the meager shipments that came in. And what kind of discount are we talking about? What was it like? 10 or 15 percent okay. it wasn't really yeah, not, a lot yeah no. well dan i got news for you before we move on toys are up is opening some pop-up shops in macy's across the u.s i think around the holidays how do you feel about the toys R us macy pop-up collab i mean like when vanessa was talking about like it's not like a, a destination for kids right like if they're popping up in macy's it's just to sell the hot toys but why wouldn't you just get them online so i don't really get the get the appeal of it right now have either of you ever been i know we all used to live in new york city dan i believe you're still there Mm-mm. no where are you now dan los angeles the other new york oh city. you are mm-hmm. so am i Let's hang out okay here we, we are in person. <laughs> sorry jonah that you're on the east coast and no sunshine <laughs> it was 93 today come to my pool come hang Hot. out Hot. Oh, dope. A pool? All right. We're, we cut Jonah oh, yeah. out of I'll this. I'll see you at the pool. <laughs> yeah, come tomorrow. That's so nice. Um, I have to work, but we'll find another day. But <laughs> my question is, when we were all living in New York, did you ever go to that 
Toys R Us that had Times Square. Toys R Us that had a full Ferris wheel. A Ferris wheel in it. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. Jonah, did you ever go there? I don't think so. I mean, Dan could probably relate. I feel like the only time I went there was to go to like shows at that venue that was always named something else. I had the escalator that went down in Times Square. The Best Buy Theater now. Yeah, yeah. Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times because there was also in that Simpsons collection, there were not only Toys R Us exclusives, but there was one or maybe two sets that was a Times Square Toys R Us exclusive. Like it was the only place in the country. Whoa. You know, like we would have a connection with somebody that worked there and we'd be like, oh, if you get those in, you got to give store 472 a call or whatever. And so me and my friends would like go there to buy the sets either to keep or to sell or whatever. So yeah, but that was like one of those things where you look at it now, like how could you possibly sustain what it must cost to rent that huge, like multi-level store? Sure. It was like an FAO Schwartz. It was such a fancy Toys R Us. It was like a real unique, like, especially after talking to you, Dan, doesn't seem like it represented other Toys R Us's. <laughs> but I remember going there and I think it was actually maybe, it might've been when I was like interning in New York in college because it might've gone out of business. Anyways, nobody cares. But the point is, I remember the Ferris wheel and I remember there was like a Barbie area that was like a whole Barbie world. It was like the fanciest toy store I'd ever seen in my life, except then I moved I guess after college when I moved to Chicago and I went to the American Girl Dolls store <laughs> yeah, just to see what it was all about. And man, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it's like really fancy. And in the basement, there was an American Girl Dolls musical that you could see, like a play that you could see that was probably like $30 a ticket or something. There was a restaurant. Anyways, I thought about auditioning for the musical as a joke, <laughs> to be in it as a joke. And then when I went to do it, the hours were really intense. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't do it. The American Girl uh, is not a union shop. so Yeah, yeah right, yeah. right, right. It's a fancier. It's tough to find an ironic job. <laughs> That isn't a lot of work, right? Yeah, that's the thing is you go into it. (laughs) It's kind of like Jonah, how Jonah, you will sometimes like kind of as a joke, start watching a TV show and then you'll watch like the entire series. (laughs) As a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the most embarrassing ones, and this was a few years ago, was a little show called uh, Real Rob. Yeah. With Rob Schneider. Jonah watched the whole thing. (laughs) And I remember I had some friends who did like a podcast where they would watch like all kinds of weird stuff, like, you know, like every Saw movie or something. And I was like, we should do a marathon. We'll watch all the Real Rob. And they were like, no, we draw the line that we're not (laughs) doing that. We cannot put ourselves through that. And I was like, oh, I did it already. Just I don't know why. I just did it. (laughs) I kind of was getting ready for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you both feel like you were sort of lightly delinquents when you worked at the various R Uses, but both of you have turned into these stand-up adults and you're both doing great. And look at you now. Dan's got a pool. (laughs) (laughs) Can I tell you, though, like my really like dark story from Toys R Us? Yes, please. I don't know if this matters, but I'm just going to change the name to Tony because I feel like that would make me feel but so like i met a lot of like characters at that job and a, a lot of them were friends that we used to mess around and that's like part of the reason that you would even keep the job because you can mess around with your friends and but then you know there were some real sketchy characters that we met and and sometimes we would like they would become like running characters that we would kind of goof on whatever but my one friend mike who i have stayed friends with he called me maybe like maybe like a decade ago or something like that. And we used to work there together. And he was like, dude, did you hear what happened to Tony? And I was like, no. 
And Tony was this guy who worked with us. He worked in the bike section. He was like, I don't know, just kind of normal Staten Island guy. He had like a chin strap beard or whatever. And he would always be like, yo, Ozzy, can you give me a ride home tonight? And I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool, man, no problem. And he'd be like, cool, yeah, my car's in the shop. And I'd be like, okay, like his car was always telling me he was always needing a ride home. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And he was like, cool, I get off at 930, so I would just wait for you. Because like, for some reason, he got off at 930, but everybody else had to stay until the store was like clean at like 10, 1030. So he would just like hang out and smoke outside. And I was like, okay, cool. And I would like drive him home all the time. We were friends with him. We all used to mess around. I have pictures with him at like uh, my friend's engagement party. Like my friend who worked there got engaged. We were all hanging out. He was also dating a friend of mine who worked there. And like after he left the job, I was like, asked her, I was like, hey, how's Tony doing? And she was like, oh, how's Tony doing? Tony's a fucking liar is how Tony's doing. And I was like, whoa, what happened? And she's like, yeah, well, we broke up. And did you know that he was 16 the whole time? And I was like, no, I didn't realize that. But then it all kind of like clicked in. I was like, yeah, that makes sense why he had to leave at 930 because he was a minor. Minors can't work past 930. That makes sense. I was like, wow, he was just like one of those Staten Island like scammers. Okay. But then like when my friend called me, he was like, have you seen what happened to Tony? And I was like, no. He's like, go look on the NewYorkPost.com. And I like looked and there was a picture of Tony in handcuffs because he'd been arrested. He was working at a building in Manhattan. He was like a janitor or something. And he murdered one of the housekeepers and like stuffed her in an elevator shaft. And I was like, <gasps> and he was like convicted and he did, he's like doing like 25 to life on it. And I was like, holy shit. Like I used to give this guy a ride home all the time. And that was like a weird, like when I saw that, oh I was just like, dude, God. I was just in way over my head in terms of like, like you're always just working there. You're like, yeah, this is not a great place to work, but whatever. But I was like, that kind of like just solidified for me. I was like, I was working with like, sketchy criminals yeah. at that job. And I'm just all like, oh, the new Simpsons figures came in. <laughs> you know, I was just so naive to it. But like, in hindsight, that was just like such a sketchy place to work. Like, talk about the death of your childhood, right? I was like, geez, man. That is crazy. Wait, can I ask a timeline question? When did you talk to the the woman who was like his ex-girlfriend? Oh, you know, he worked at the store and then I don't remember if he got like laid off or something like that. But like shortly after he left. Yes. So like 2004 or three or something okay. like that. I ran into that friend and I was like, how is Tony? And that's when she told me that he was underage. And I was like, wow. And then like fast forward like a decade oh later. My God. And he ended up involved in this like heinous thing. It was just so crazy. And I was like, wow, like what a sketchy place to have worked. Wow. Not to bring it into like the darkest possible place. No, but no, no. That just must have been just kind of like the icing on the very like you already knew, had such a bad feeling about your experience there, it feels like. And just to like hear that, like, oh, yeah, this guy that you drove home all the time happened to be like turned out to be a murderer like totally, like it, it's just so funny because like oh. me and my friend mike like every once in a while when we talk on the phone you know we'll be like oh yeah we would always be like remember when they made us unload that truck and like somebody got hurt you know like something that was like we can like laugh at it now <laughs> like look back and laugh at it but that's like one thing where we were just like, okay, party's over. Yeah. <laughs> like this, this is not fun. To, no more reminiscing. Ugh. Yeah, just a really weird place. I don't imagine that went down at Kids R Us very often. No, 
No, I don't remember anything <laughs> like that. I remember just a lot of like dunking shirts into garbage cans. And yeah, you must have had to make do. I'm thinking with what you had, because like in Toys R Us, if something was opened, it became, you know, like property of the warehouse. Yeah. Like, oh, take it off the shelf. Somebody open this. So like we would have all kinds of Nerf guns back there. But you like just had shirt. You you had to like really work. To Improvise. Make. We had to really use our imaginations. <laughs> we had to really work hard. We did have. I don't know if you had it. Yours. We had a layaway room mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we would just keep stuff on layaway, like a huge room. Do stores like do that anymore? Remember, no, it used I don't to say like so. on the outside of Toys Dress. It used to say like layaway. Yeah. On this bike or whatever. I don't even think stores do layaway anymore. Do they? Layaway is like when you pay a little at a time, right? Yeah. That's layaway. Yeah. They do yeah. that. Not to brag, but they do that with home shopping. It's easy pay. Like QVC does easy pay. Mm -hmm. So probably similar idea. But I was probably doing some layups with a shirt in that layaway room for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, we had a a good. That's one one area where I think we had up on you because like our time wasting stuff back in the warehouse was so, you know, like we had every Nerf gun. Yeah. Yeah. You had way cooler stuff. I had like kid's shoes and like Mm -hmm. a vest or something. We had like skateboards. They were trying to sell those little ramps for a while. So like once we got the ramps in the back, that was it, man. Like we <laughs> like really like it was like it got dangerous. Like once they gave us bikes and ramps, you know, in the in the warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan, if it makes you feel better for all we know, we've all worked with people who later went on to become murderers. We just <laughs> haven't read the articles yet. <laughs> right. Or or they were, they are future murderers. So you yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to bring it into such a bad place. Let me let me put pull it back to like a, a more arable area and say ask you guys like what was the worst place that you guys ever worked as as teens? I had a lot of jobs. I would say my worst job and shortest lived job was working at my dining hall my freshman year of college with all these kind of surly dishwashers and stuff and me being like 18 and not understanding the system and putting dirty dishes where the clean ones were and getting yelled at and like just like you worked at the dining hall at the college that you went to yeah it was some kind of like financial aid setup where like i would work there and then i would get some kind of financial aid but it really really it never clicked and i wasn't good at it and i remember quitting the job and and i remember calling this guy who's like an ra this guy was probably like 21 and i was like 18 i was like i was like yeah i i just I'm, I'm not doing this anymore and he was like well if you don't show up to work you're gonna get one strike and if you get three strikes you can never work in the dining hall again and i was like yeah i, I don't want to ever <laughs> like i don't care about your like three strike program bye yeah and i don't remember it actually affecting my financial aid i maybe they just told you that but i remember just you know filling these huge tubs of mayonnaise and just it being really kind of gross and like dishwashing sucked like your hands just had that like even when you went home had that like prune feeling to it like all the time i hated washing dishes yeah vanessa what about you well i feel like a real diva for saying that reminded me of a story for when i was a hostess right after college and i had a similar thing to what well first of all i just remember we didn't really have a break so i remember taking the they were like you can't touch the bread like take the uneaten bread from the tables directly to the kitchen and i would take some of it and like put it in my like sleeve and then i would go to the bathroom and eat it like really quickly in the stall which (laughs) there's nothing more disgusting than eating in a bathroom yeah right (laughs) we purposely put it in my show because we thought it was really funny that the beth ann character takes her skinny pop into the bathroom to eat anyway I don't know if you saw that episode, but the point is, I remember just always being so hungry, whatever. And I being a hostess is very cushy compared to being a dishwasher, obviously. But 
I remember once I was kind of sick and I remember like going home and then calling them and being like, hey, I'm sick. I can't come in. And I remember this one guy, this manager, he was like, "Okay." he was like, I'm so sorry you aren't feeling well. You can either send us a doctor's note from your doctor that says you're sick or you cannot work here anymore. It was like basically like that. Yeah. And I remember being like. Also, like, I'm the younger child. I'm a girl. I had cancer. People were so nice to me growing up. Okay. (laughs) It was the first time an employer ever was like, you know, shape up or ship out kind of a thing. And I remember being like, this fucking guy. Like, I was so pissed at him. I was like, couldn't believe his like audacity to like make me do my job. Mm -hmm. But so I remembered I did go into work, but I was like so annoyed. Like I was like, oh, my little like I for sure thought he would be like, feel better soon. But he was like, give us a doctor's note or not, you know. And did you remember too, like sort of pre cell phone having a job where like when Toys R Us had, you know, a shift that they needed to cover, they would call my house, like, you know, my parents' house. Right. And they'd be like, hey, this is Tim from Toys R Us. Is Dan there? And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. No. Like, just that, that's such a funny concept to me because I feel like now they probably just text you, right? Yeah. I haven't clearly had a retail job in a They can reach you so much more <laughs> yeah. easily and they can say like, we texted you, you didn't get back. Whereas, yeah, that was totally a thing of being like, I'm not home. Tell them I'm not right, home. I'm not home. When you saw, we did have the caller ID and you saw Toys R Us come up. It was like, no, 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 no. Nobody picked that up. Nobody <laughs> picked that up. Yeah. So I am grateful for that, at least that they didn't have the power to just harass me. Yes. At all times on my text message, you know? Yeah. Probably also, too, it was probably harder to lie then because, say, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to work. I can't. I don't feel well. And they'll like, well, you just posted on your Instagram story that you're at Six Flags Great Adventure. Right. Totally. And you're like, right. To- uh, yes, <laughs> I am because... There is a nurse here that I like. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I think I pioneered that move by going on the morning news. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, back, I was going to say back meta. then, the only way that you could get caught is literally by going on TV. That was the, there was no social media. You had to literally be on TV and Jonah did it. Pretty impressive. So good for you, Jonah. I'm like, now that I'm thinking about it, just super <laughs> impressed with the audacity to think that you could get away with it. Just wearing a t-shirt on on camera that says I'm supposed to be at work or something like that. Like just, yeah. you know, a t-shirt I was wearing, by the way, I was wearing, and this is also so nineties. One of those dare shirts, dare to stay off drugs and alcohol shirts that I got at like a thrift shop. My friend Pete wore that every day. He wore it every day. It reeked. He never washed it. He would just spray it with Febreze and it reeked. Yeah. That was a very nineties shirt to wear. Yes. Well, with that, I dare us to take a commercial break and we'll be right back with Dan Ozzy. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. And we're back. Now, Dan, we've got a pretty fun game to play with you right now. This game is called Legit Moan or Unnecessary Groan. Legit Moan. Unnecessary Groan. Basically, we take inspiration from this column that used to be in the local Cleveland paper, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, where they used to have this column called Monday Moaning, where people would write in with their complaints. And we kind of are going to go through three complaints, no kind of about it. And we're going to say whether we think they're a legit moan, meaning like this is a legitimate complaint or an unnecessary groan. Mm -hmm. And honestly, these are from about 10 years ago. These are like the 10 year old. We're using the prompts from 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, These are from the archives. And we by we, Vanessa means I spent a bunch of time like going through the archives and picking out some of the funniest ones. Yeah. What I was going to say is we made fun of them when we were kids. Right. The first one is incredibly short. It's one sentence. Dan, want to get your thoughts on this? If this is a valid complaint. Sure. It's just we should rename our country to the Ununited States of America. That was Jonah's inspiration for starting the band United Nations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is from Solon, Ohio, 2011. Someone had this thought, wrote a letter, sent it into the paper. What do you think? Do you think this person has a legit point? Isn't it so funny that newspaper like columns that you could write into were just basically like the original Twitter. Totally. Yes. A hundred percent. This is just a thought that somebody would tweet and get like 12 likes for it. Yeah. Recall it the ununited <laughs> states of America. Yeah. Don't you mean the like un... What are you talking about? I'm going to say groan. This is bad. This, this has groan. no precedent for anything. This is a groaner. Okay. Unnecessary groan from Dan Vanessa. What are your thoughts on the ununited states? Well, I think this person should know that ununited states sounds very stupid. I I could see sounds them- like a soup. Uh, it's like, oh, can I have the onion United States? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I would say it was legit if they said this, but my suggestion would be they should just call it the States of America because it's not united. Right. To say ununited feels like <laughs> the disunited states of America. To your point, Dan, like this does feel like an early Twitter. And do you think that what happened was this person wrote in, they should change it to the ununited States of America. And then they're going to Miles Market. They're going to the Solon movie theater. They're going to their local Solon places and they're carrying their plane dealer around and they're going, look at what I wrote. 
don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was part of the original Twitter is you just had to show it to people right. in person. Right. Guess who wrote this? Me. Yeah, that person ended up being famous director of Fahrenheit 9-11. Michael Moore. So I would call this an unnecessary groan as well because I think this person is trying to be facetious, but it's really, they could do better. This was 2011? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. When was this, like Occupy Wall Street era? Like, right. this was like Obama era, right? Yeah, Obama was 08, I think. 08 to... Yeah, I feel like this is a real... I'm just surprised because this feels like a real George Bush era tweet. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. I hear you. (laughs) This guy's like, I've been pitching this to the Cleveland Plain Dealer for seven years now. I'm going to get it in there. It's a good line. Ununited States, (laughs) it will be in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Mark my words. Yeah. So I, I think I sort of understand, you know, this person's talking about polarization, you know, all of this stuff. I get it. These are issues that we're still dealing with today. But I just feel like you got to provide a little more backup on what exactly you're saying. To me, it's just the, the phrase on United States, it just isn't enough on its own. Totally. I agree with Vanessa. It's not a pun. Right. It's not clever. Yeah. Ununited States has no panache to it. This, yeah. You know, like you wouldn't even see it on a bumper sticker and be like, yeah, that guy, that bumper sticker makes a good point. It's just nothing. Can you imagine calling a band Ununited Nations? It doesn't sound as <laughs> That's cool. That's how you should have got around the lawsuit. It really does sound like food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me get an Onion uh, Nations. <laughs> also, does this person think they're going to turn on the news and it's going to be like, and in other news, like Congress <laughs> is thinking of changing the name of the United States to the Ununited States. It sounds like a joke that Norm MacDonald would have done yes. because he knew it would get no reaction at all. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Maybe this person should stick to their day job. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to read the next one. Here goes. I'd like to complain about people coming to our neighborhood who litter by throwing trash on the streets as they drive or walk by. They also litter with their mouths by using foul language <laughs> in everyday conversations. It is loud, annoying, and irritating for people to have to hear potty mouths while driving or walking in the neighborhood. This is from someone from Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Dan, what do you think? Well, I was moaning in the first half. Right. I think, you know, like, yeah, people throwing stuff out of uh, cars, that's a legitimate cause of moan. And then once they started getting into the noise pollution of what it sounds like People yelling obscenities out of cars as they pass by. Is mm-hmm. that a, is that a legitimate? Well, this person said they also litter with their mouths by using foul language in everyday conversations. Okay, see, that's just, you know, you got to just thicken your skin out there. But then they say it is loud, annoying, and irritating for people to have to hear potty mouths. Not a great term for this person to use when they're trying to make a serious point. While driving or walking in the neighborhood. So I think they're referring to these same people. It seems like these people are coming into the neighborhood (laughs) and throwing their trash everywhere. But then maybe other people are having everyday conversations like they're just going for a walk. Maybe it's the same people. There's probably some overlap. And they're just having everyday conversations, but they're kind of going like, can you believe that shithole place? What are y'all doing today? You want to do some swearing? No, 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 not here. We drive over to Cleveland Heights when we want to do our swearing. Yeah. When we want to use our potty mouth, uh, we drive up there just to do it. Like, I love that the person's making like it's a problem specific to their zip code. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, people are coming into our area just to do their swears. <laughs> and then they and leave. I want to say, you know, sort of the copy editor in me sees a little redundant about people who litter by throwing trash on the street. Like, isn't that just the definition of, like, how mm-hmm. else would you litter? Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't like feeling roped 
I like, I feel like they, that person threw out that first line about litter to get everybody on their side where you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a problem. I don't want litter. And then they're like, also they're doing the littering of the mind when you think about <laughs> right. it with their swear words. And you're like, man, no, no, I'm not getting Yeah, I agree. I go, if you're trying to make this profound point, don't use the term potty mouth. Sure. I don't mind potty mouth. One time on The Simpsons, they said commode mouth. And I still <laughs> think it's like one of the funniest phrases I've ever heard. I don't mind that so much. Right. Okay. So I'm going to give this a half moan, half groan, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear that. Jonah, what about you? Okay. Yeah, I sort of agree with Dan. I think it's it's a leap to go from littering trash to policing the way people speak. This person was like, this is my only chance at the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and I have two complaints. Yes. I ha- like stayed up all night thinking about how they could get them into one, you know? Yeah. I'm going to go with unnecessary groan. I just feel like it's, it's just too much of a leap groan. for me, and I can't support this one. Vanessa, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with unnecessary groan. To your point, Jonah, saying groan. people who litter by throwing trash on the streets it's a little bit DSW shoe warehouse, <laughs> which I don't know if you remember that chain designer shoe warehouse, shoe warehouse. Okay. Redundant. Oh, yeah. Redundant. Also to try and segue into the way people talk. It's also so unclear what's going on here. Sure. It's like, I really was like you guys, I was really on this person's side when I was like, Oh, that's terrible that people are like coming into this person's neighborhood. They're throwing trash as they drive or walk by. But it seems like now he's pivoting to or he or she or they are pivoting to people's language and saying that that's litter too. It's like pick a point and go with it. And if it's the second point, I'm not on your side. So got it. All right. Just using every problem that they possibly have. And I'm like, and I'm tired of the housing market being (laughs) littered with real estate (laughs) developers. Yeah. All right. Pretty much in agreement on that one. Our final one, this one's a bit lengthy, but um, get ready. Get ready. All those who complain about people not giving or leaving tips should realize that no one is obligated to give you anything but to pay for a meal they ordered. If people are able to give a tip, they will if they're able to and thought the service you rendered them was good. You should be thankful that the management of the restaurant or places that tip are giving you an opportunity to make some money working for them, regardless of how little it may be. Without the customers, you wouldn't be working there because the restaurant will be out of business. So stop your complaining and be thankful for what you have. Cleveland Heights, Ohio again. Okay, so talking about this being like proto Twitter, every so often somebody will hop onto Twitter. I don't know why, but they will tweet something to this effect. Sure. Like, I think I tweet 10% and more if the service is good, but if not, maybe I'll give note. And there are probably infinite reasons that Twitter is awful. But the one thing that's good about it is that this person will immediately get ethered by the entire internet. Everybody that's worked a service industry job just tearing this person down because this is a groaner. This is a necessary groaner. groan. Fucking tip people. It's especially now. So yeah, a big big groan on this for me. Yeah, can you imagine this person seeing one of those like flip screens now where it's like it's turned over everywhere you shop? I mean, this person's probably losing their mind. <laughs> like, Wait, Jonah, what do you mean? Like I feel like now there's so many more opportunities to tip, so many different ways to tip. Tipping is so much more prevalent, oh, I, see what I feel you're saying. like. Like when you get a coffee and they turn that screen oh, around. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. This person's in hell. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this person fully is like when that screen gets flipped is like, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, this person, I think, doesn't exactly understand like the business structure. You know, I I think there's a lot of 
kind of misinformation confusion here, but I think the sentiment itself is not the best. And yeah, I got to say, this is a groan and it's, it's just very groan. Yeah, very elitist. It's very like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you should be so lucky. You know, it's just very... That this restaurant, yeah. It's, I don't like the tone. I don't like the tone. Vanessa, what about you? I agree. This is totally a groan. This person so clearly doesn't understand groan. how this industry works because it's like these servers are making so little money. Part of the reason that they're doing their job is because of tips. They're not like, wow, I can't wait to get my great serving salary. And then if I get any tips on top of that, it's gravy. It's like, that's not how it works. The tips are part of the whole thing. And to be like, you are so lucky that this restaurant is employing you and and without customer. It feels like this person has been through maybe some kind of specific situation where (laughs) they had a really bad experience with the server and they decided not to tip and then they were shamed. Something's going on with this person, but for them to write a blanket statement like, don't complain about people not... It's not even... This person's not even saying, don't complain about the size of your tip, which I still would (laughs) call a groan, but they're saying, don't complain about people not leaving tips and mentions meals. So obviously he's talking about restaurants. Yeah, people would definitely are in the right when they complain when someone left no tip. That's insane. It feels like a mark of pride for this person. Yeah. Like, I'm going to like set the system straight. Yeah. Isn't it funny how all three of these people are definitely dead now? <laughs> There's no <laughs> way that these three people are still walking around with this kind of like worldview. No yeah, way. Yeah, they'd be having a tough time. Yeah. I mean, something that comes up very often in this segment is the personality type that writes into this column yeah. seems very specific for the most part. I mean, like old people, too much time on their hand, like ornery old people just writing in about how, you know, writing a tip on a receipt is littering and I hate it. It's littering up the receipt with all that tip. <laughs> Maybe those two are friends. The last two people are friends. It's pretty crazy. And look, I guess these were all pretty much groans, except for half of the middle one. What have you got covered that's like a legit? One time, all three of them were legit. Mm. Yeah, it happens very rarely, but it does happen. I'm trying to think of one. I can't think of a single one. <laughs> Thanks for giving me the groaners. I love it. All groaners. Of course. Well, Dan, where can people find you online? Can you talk a little bit about the, the paperback edition of Sellout? Very exciting. What's going on with that? You can catch me in the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, <laughs> advice column. I'm there. I have a byline there. DanOzzy.com is a good place. Yeah, I have like this sellout paperback coming out and it's got new material in it. Jonah, there's a big cave-in interview. Oh, wow. I talked to all surviving members of cave-in about their wild rca records stint with antenna yes of course <laughs> so that's one for the the three people listening that are interested in the the history of cave and there's a dashboard confessional one that's much more okay universal i feel yeah nice so this was just kind of stuff that didn't make the original leave a little more space to kind of put stuff in yeah it was like some some q a's that i either did that i it was either cutting room floor stuff or i had like or I did specifically for the book. And also, Jonah, I have to send you one. I'm hopefully announcing it like Monday, but I made like a covers record Whoa. of like songs from the book. And like Laura Stevenson covered this 
she covered like my favorite Green Day song, She. Whoa. And it's beautiful. There's no guitars on it. It's like a hymn. If the two people that I'm talking to wants, I'll mail you a copy. But it rocks. It's great. Send me your address and I'll and I'll mail wow, you. Wow, that's awesome. I love that song, She. That's from the first is that from From Dookie. Dookie, yeah. Yeah. Laura like covered it and it's like the most elegant, graceful Green Day cover you've ever heard. And she had this version and then she had like acoustic guitar and like last minute just scrapped the acoustic guitar. So it's almost like acapella. Wow. It's like beautiful. And I'm just like, and there's like eight other tracks on it too, but I'm just like really excited, relieved to be putting those out soon because they're sitting downstairs all 1500 of them whoa oh my gosh well yeah check out Sella check out Dan's online check out his merch yeah that was so much fun you guys thanks so much to Dan for joining us to everyone for listening if you enjoyed this please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye for next week's episode how did we get weird well we will discuss more stories from our childhood like working at Toys R Us Kids R Us or any of the RS's to be honest (laughs) BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.